1: Hey, yo, I could take a raindrop, turn it to a icicle. you got it locked up. to you still the dopest Show, the show on radio. I am your host, Donald Ware. Missed you guys on last week. I was up in Washington, in the Washington area in the DMV. Uh, my grandfather had passed away at the age of 95. And uh, so was at a funeral on uh, last week, thus missing last week's show. And I'm going to tell you what. Uh, You know, obviously 95, living to be 95 years, that's a long, long time. It was a beautiful celebration. Being back in the DMV where I grew up, you know, I originally grew up in Lewisdale, which is Hyattsville, Maryland, in the Lewisdale neighborhood, then moved to Silver Spring to the Colesville neighborhood, and then ultimately to the White Oak neighborhood, then back to the Colesville neighborhood before I ultimately Uh, Moved uh, down to North Carolina. And just being back at home uh, was really tremendous and getting to see family. I mean, I hadn't really spent any time back in Washington since maybe even I, I was up there in 2019, but like really briefly. So maybe even, I don't know, maybe the earlier part of 2019, perhaps 2018, but where I really got to spend. Some time I took some time away uh, just to be able to go up, spend time with family, spend time with friends, etc. And I'm going to tell you what, it was absolutely tremendous. Um, I had an opportunity. Right. And, you know, being in this business, you have an opportunity to meet many, many people. And we've had many. I mean, yeah, we have conversations and we'll talk. We have guests on the show. Almost every week, we'll have conversations with those guests. But, you know, sometimes you just, you don't really, that's all it is. It's interviewer and interviewee. Well, and, I, you know, I, I, I think it's interesting because I told some of my family members and some of my friends, I said, oh, yeah, you know, on Wednesday, I'm going to have lunch down in Ash, I'm going to have lunch with Doug, you know, and they're like, Doug, and I'm like, oh, yeah, down in Ashburn, I'm, I'm having lunch with Doug Williams. You know, they're like, and I I just know him sort of as Coach Williams, right, as Doug, right? And knowing him over the years, having him on this program going back to 2007 was the first time we had him on the program. He uh, it was when uh, Eddie Robinson had passed away. He was in personnel with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, made the call to the Buccaneers, had him on the show, and really been in contact with him pretty much ever since even when he became the head football coach at Grambling and we of course did the box to row coaches poll and sometimes I'd have to say hey can you can you email your your ballot for the week and of course he ultimately would say yeah oh yeah I got you no problem and, and would do it so you know it was the first time that it wasn't interviewer interviewee but just a couple of guys having some conversation talking some HBCU football, right? Just talking about life. And I have, to, I have to tell you, ultimately, so when the check, we had lunch, so when the check comes, right, he's like, you know, I said, oh yeah, put it all on one, on, I, I told the, the server uh, to pull it all on one bill. And uh, then he said, hey, I got it. I said, nah, you don't pay for anything in this town. And he started chuckling. Of course, thinking back, I'm a, I'm a, as you know, huge Washington now Commanders, but at the time, Washington Redskins fan. When of course he led uh, the the uh, the team to the Super Bowl, and so just just a great time. I had a chance to uh, uh, one of my friends and I uh, went on to Morgan State's campus, and Morgan State's campus has grown tremendously from uh, the time that I was a student there in the late '90s until now. It is almost unrecognizable. Had a chance to just kind of go on campus. And we actually had a chance to, to talk with Ed Davis, who's the head women's basketball coach at Morgan State, and known uh, Coach Davis for many, many years. As a matter of fact, he and, he and my parents grew up uh, in some of the same circles coming up in Washington, D.C. back in the day. So I've known him for a very long time, and we had a chance to just kind of chit-chat with him uh, for about a you know hour and a half or so, just on Morgan's campus, we went by the bookstore. It was just a great time, just kind of hanging out. Went to the Wizards game, right? Had a chance to go and and see the Wizards game on Friday. Played the Hawks. Um, a matter of fact, uh, Chris Staps Porzingis didn't play in that game. He played the next night. They played on Sunday and dropped 25 points in a victory for the Wizards. By the way, and I I really think like I was talking about. When we talked about this about the, a month ago with the trade deadline, I thought this was a good trade. I think it makes sense, especially if Beal comes back and plays next year. So you'll have uh, if you have a healthy Porzingis, Beal, and then Kyle Kuzma. That's that. That's a good. That's a. That's that's solid. I mean, that's you know, you're talking about you know maybe finishing somewhere if everything goes right. Maybe somewhere be you know certainly five or six. I think in the East and. You know, we'll see, maybe a little bit higher, but uh, it, they need more. But that's a good start, I think. So it was great. Had a chance to, after the game, To uh, it, it was a game in which the Hawks won that game by three points. And Kyle Kuzma had a half-court shot uh, at the end of the game, the last shot. It didn't ultimately go in, but it was very, very close. It was like right at half-court. It almost went in, hit the back of the iron. It was right on line had a chance to talk with Wes Unsel Jr. after the game and Kyle Kuzma a little bit after the game. So it was really, really good uh, to be back ultimately in Washington. So got a good show for you today and we'll get to the guests momentarily. Since I was not here last week, you got to give me some leeway. There's a lot of things I want to talk about, but you got to give me a little bit of latitude to talk about Coach K and his ultimate well, at the end of the season, his ultimate retiring uh, from Duke. And what we saw uh, on last Saturday at Cameron Indoor, we saw a North Carolina team that was very, very motivated to win that basketball game, and it ultimately did just that. It came in not only as underdogs because Duke is just has a really solid team, but also because of all the hype surrounding the last home game of Coach K or Mike Krzyzewski as the head coach at Duke. So a lot of motivation for Hubert Davis and his, and his guys, and they ultimately came through uh, in that basketball game. But I'll say that the post-game speech by Coach K, when ultimately he did take responsibility, he just said, hey, our guys didn't come to play well tonight. Allow me to say this. This was unscripted. Uh, he wanted to at least say that. And then, uh, but he said, but they have played well all season. I thought uh, that that was very uh, classy. And then ultimately with the president of Duke and the AD of Duke speaking eloquently about him. And then ultimately, uh, you know, Coach K didn't want to make it ultimately about himself. But I thought he did a really, really good job in terms of speaking and talking about his time at Duke. And um, I mean, it, it was, you know, I I mean yeah we can talk about you know how impassioned he is on the court and you know how uh, I mean he can be very fiery it's no question about that I mean I've seen that up close and personal but ultimately I mean he's just a class guy and by the way I mean we've been able to have coach K on this program three times over the years going back to I think 2011 was the first year uh, then maybe the next year, 2012, and then like 2014 or 2015, something like that. And I got to give big shots out to the Duke uh, Athletics Department, more specifically uh, John Jackson, who uh, – <laughs> so John Jackson was the SID at Duke, was Sports Information at, Director at Duke. When I was Sports Information Director at a this is going back to the late 90s, early part of the 2000s, and I remember the time that Duke and a played – and a uh, and T played at Duke at Cameron indoors. First time I had been to Cameron indoor JJ Miller of a and T dropped 36 points in that game against, you know, Jay Williams and Chris Duhan and, you know, Shane Battier and all those guys. Um, and so I, I remember that, but I mean, you know, John Jackson, just, you know, to be able to have coach K on your show three times. I think that's, I mean, that's pretty special and pretty awesome. By the way, if you want to hear those interview those conversations that we had with coach k over the years you can log on to you know we talked about the radio boss that project uh, you can log on to the website radio boss.com radio boss.com to listen to those conversations with coach k over the years so i uh, just wanted to say that and still more basketball obviously plenty more basketball uh for the blue devils to play and that duke by the way, that Duke and Carolina rivalry is absolutely off the chain. I mean, I've had a chance to go to a couple of those games. Believe me, it is it it is cool when you're when they're playing at Carolina, but it's off the charts when the game is at Duke because Duke is so small. Carolina um, facility I think holds like 19 or 20,000. Duke's holds like 8,000 something like that. So it's very intimate and very small. Matter of fact, I had a chance to be there. I think it was 2017. Whatever, or whatever that last year that Jason Tatum was there. And I mean, that's the night at Cameron Indoor when Carolina and Duke got together. That's the night that Jason Tatum became Jason Tatum. And by the way, to have 96 of his former players, Coach K's former players, there at the game was absolutely phenomenal. You've got it locked to Box to Row on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. I am your host, Donald Ware, still to come here. On the program, Fayetteville State head men's basketball coach, Luke D'Alessio. Fayetteville State's going to be in the NCAA Division II tournament or regionals, which begin on tomorrow. So we'll talk with Luke D'Alessio about the Fayetteville State program. Luke D'Alessio had been a, a head coach at Bowie State for many, many years, had a lot of success going back to the early part, to the mid part of the 2000s. It didn't work out at Bowie State. He'd been a, an assistant coach for a number of years and now is the head coach. And this is his, I believe it's his third season as the head coach. And if you go back a couple of years ago, Fayetteville State was in the CIAA championship game, CIAA tournament championship game against Winston-Salem State, where the Rams ultimately prevailed. But Fayetteville State, able to win it, had a chance to see them play. The Broncos play this year. It's got a good team. Luke D'Alessio, the head men's basketball coach at Fayetteville State, going to join us on the program. Also, today I'm going to have some follow-up thoughts on the Art Bryles situation. Some follow-up thoughts on the Art Bryles situation. Discussed it a couple of, uh, of weeks ago. Uh, as a matter of fact, and we had some, and 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 I was gone, so I wanna, I definitely want to uh, touch on that uh, a little bit as well. Plus, still to come here on the program, Lamont Paris is the head men's basketball coach at Chattanooga. Going to join us on the program, Chattanooga winning the SoCon tournament championship in dramatic fashion dramatic fashion so we got to talk with lamont paris about that as well keep it locked
0: on the way it's more of from the press box to press row with donald Ware, right 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 here right here on espnu radio on sirius xm
2: The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip, the neighborhood original.
1: Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. For more information, log on to their website at harlembeernc.com.
3: Hello, my name is Precious Rose Dunlap, and this is my mother, Michelle Timlake-Roll, founder of Marjorie's
1: Food Jerky Incorporated. We would at this time like to thank our new customers as well as our repeating customers
2: for your business. For every 1 million orders that we receive, our company is giving $2 million away to the bottom amongst 400 of our paid customers. You see, that's
1: the way we roll. So come place an order at MarjorieSpeedJerky.com
0: aware, aware, on ESPNU Radio, right here on Sirius XM. What up?
2: What up? Yo 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 yo. yo. KKK.
1: Okay, okay, okay. We're back here on box to row. So again, in being gone last week, I didn't have a chance to really expound on the Art Bryles situation at Grambling, and ultimately, Art Briles has resigned or had already resigned. I guess it's been about a week now as the offensive coordinator at Grambling, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. So when I saw this, it was about two weeks ago, come across the bottom line screen that Art Bryles had been hired as the offensive coordinator at Grambling. My, my first thought took me back to Bryles' days at Baylor as the head coach and while I couldn't remember everything specifically that had happened with him in terms of the scandal with sexual allegations levied against his players, I just remember it being a bad, bad situation. I wouldn't say it, and, and Baylor has gone through some uh, some scandals and some bad situations. You can go back uh, to the early part of the 2000s, I believe, when one of the one of the players, uh, basketball players, killed another player and then tried to cover it up. And it was this whole thing with the coach at the time. So, I mean, Baylor has sort of gone through this. It obviously wasn't as, I mean, well, it, it, it just reminded me of that a little bit. Um, the the Art Bryle situation at Baylor. So I'm thinking to myself, wow, that, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's a good, I don't think that's a good hire at all. But as I said at the time, I mean, I guess Gramlin has to do uh what it and this was a couple of weeks ago when I spoke about this, that Gramlin uh, I guess, has to do what it what it what it feels is is best. But I mean I, you know, I look at this, I, I look at that and, and I'll just, you know, say this. I look at that hire and you've got Doug Williams who criticized that hire immediately uh, to the Washington Post was not in favor at all, of it at all. Um, As he said and was quoted as saying, and I don't, he never met Art Bryles at all. But think about it. Art Bryles never, ever since the Baylor situation, he never had a collegiate job. Now let's go back to the Baylor situation with respect to Art Bryles uh, a little bit here. So he was acquitted, in essence, by the NCAA findings of any wrongdoing specifically. However, it was stated in the report that he did not talk about or uh, take to higher authorities, uh, if you will, the allegations against some of his players. So to me, in that respect, whether he was, I mean, he's, he's culpable, right? Like he's culpable in that situation by knowing that either there was some kind of sexual allegation against his players or whether he knew that that had happened or he had heard somebody had told him, even if it was from that vantage point, that's something that you have to report to your higher-ups. He did not ultimately do that. It came out he was ultimately fired uh, by Baylor. So it was a bad situation. I think he had been a, in in a high school, which in of itself, I think, uh, is bad as well. Like I think I'm of the opinion that people deserve a second chance. At the same time, it depends on what a happened or, or perhaps you were accused of. Now, again, he wasn't, he was in essence acquitted, but he was culpable because he knew that there were allegations against his players at Baylor. So, as Doug Williams mentioned, why are we the ones, meaning Grambling, who, of course, Doug Williams and a, a, uh, one of the most prominent alums of Grambling, you know, said as much. Now, I, I believe there's a faction that still wanted Bryles to be hired. You know, I, 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 can't, I can't get on board with winning at all costs. You know, the, the second chance that Hugh Jackson as the head coach is getting at Grambling is not the same second chance as Art Briles. With respect to Hugh Jackson, he just didn't have a lot of success as the head coach with the Browns, with the Raiders. You can look at any number of things that ultimately happened there as to why he did not have success. Maybe he didn't have the support. We can argue all of those things. I mean, at the end of the day, his record, at least with the Browns, spoke volumes, okay? So, you know, and then also, I mean, Hugh Jackson's not getting off to a good start at all. He's had a couple of missteps. You look at the misstep with Brian Flores when he ultimately said to the, in essence, said that Flores, uh, or that uh, that he uh, was paid by the Browns to lose games on purpose uh, and then ultimately walk that back. So that was bad in of itself. Then you have this Art Bryles situation uh, as well. And then Bryles ultimately resigned. He wasn't that, you know, he ultimately resigned because he said he didn't want to bring this kind of scrutiny to the university. So he ultimately stepped down. Not a good look at all. I think for Grambling, um, I think that uh, you know there's a couple of missteps here by Hugh Jackson early on. We haven't even played. Uh, we haven't even played a game. Hasn't even coached a game. Spring practice, I think, is getting ready to get started. If it's not already started, and uh, and obviously that part of it has died down because. But I mean, think about this. We're not saying that. Art Bryles, Hugh Jackson made the recommendation. I mean, we're saying that Art Bryles, not that he made the recommendation that Bryles be hired as the head coach at Grambling, or excuse me, I keep saying that, the offensive coordinator at Grambling. He was already named the offensive coordinator, which means Grambling hired him. That's a a bad look on Hugh, in my opinion. It's a bad look on Hugh Jackson. It's a bad look on Grambling State university uh, for that to ultimately have happened. Uh, so, y- y- you know, this, is, this has been a couple of missteps uh, with Hugh Jackson, uh, in my opinion. Further, okay, further, now wide receivers coach of Grambling, John Simons, has now been moved up or been promoted, if you will, to now the offensive coordinator. Now, John Simon has a bit of a background, okay? He was placed on administrative leave within his position at Memphis back about a year ago after a sexual assault and Title IX complaint was filed against him, okay? Now, ultimately that allegation in the Title IX suit was dropped because, uh, in this case, John Simon was no longer with the Memphis program. So, I mean, you just, I mean, within a month's time frame, you've had a bunch of missteps with respect to the grambling program. Hugh Jackson having to walk back comments that he made about the Browns paying him to lose games. Then the hiring of Art Bryles and now the promotion of John Simon as the offensive coordinator. Boy, I tell you what, that is a uh, that is a tough thing uh, for Grambling. We'll ultimately see how things play out. I think everybody deserves a second chance. I mean, and in defense of John Simon, it was he he has he denied the allegations. So you know, it, it's one of those things. He said, she said. Um, you know, listen, I've got. A daughter. Right. I've got a wife. I've got a sister. I had a mother. Right. Like I, you know, I mean. I, you know, I, I feel a certain kind of way about the, this situation and these particular hires. Again, in the Simon situation. Again, we don't know exactly what happened in that situation with respect to bryles okay we we do know at least from the ncaa's report okay that he ultimately was um he knew about it and, and didn't do anything about it you know so i i mean I, he's I mean you're culpable there i mean I, you know and it's not you know that that's bad i mean that's really Really bad in of itself. So we've got some missteps there uh, at Grambling, uh, and we'll ultimately see what happens um, with Hugh Jackson as the head coach uh, at Grambling. It's a it's a high profile hire. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But man, I tell you what, there's been some missteps within that program very early on. Your thoughts? Hit me up via Twitter at Box B O X T O R O W. The Chattanooga men's basketball team won the Southern Conference Tournament Championship in dramatic fashion. And the head coach of Chattanooga, Lamont Paris, joins me next.
0: We track down the names making news in sports from the press box to press row. It's Donald Ware. From the press box to press row.
1: Chattanooga of the Southern Conference with a huge win earlier in the week in the so-called tournament championship over Fermanent. Overtime victory, as a matter of fact, 64-63 to in his fifth season as the head coach of Chattanooga is Lamont Paris. Of course, Chattanooga waiting to hear where they will be seated in the NCAA tournament as Coach Paris joins us here on box to row coach paris congratulations and welcome to the program
4: hey good morning first of all thanks for having me but uh yeah i appreciate that it's been a lot of fun great group to coach um you know i guess every coach is going to say that but i know every coach can't possibly mean it but this is an awesome awesome group of individuals to coach and um i'm fortunate to be their coach and we're ready to rock and roll
1: absolutely no doubt about that because i i got a you know, the old saying, from whence we came. So, we, we got to talk about that to where you are That's right. right now. But I want to start here. The overtime victory over Furman in dramatic fashion. First, even before we talk about the overall game, we got to talk about David Jean Baptiste's shot from half court to win you that basketball game.
4: Uh, uh, unbelievable. It's an unbelievable uh, story and there's a lot of background to David Jean Baptiste. It was so fitting that it was him. It had to be him. Um, he's been here six years. He's been here longer than me. Honestly, he redshirted and then got the extra COVID year. And so, um, but just what, what a, what a, it's, it's not even what you dream of. It's beyond what you dream of that shot there for what it's worth and all that. And so just a, a spectacular storybook moment that, that not only he, but, everyone in this program in this city and in anyone watching that game is going to remember that shot for forever. So just uh, just a, an incredible moment. Incredible moment.
1: No question. Take me through the victory 64 to 63 in overtime. Of course, you won the regular season, uh, a tough matchup against Furman.
4: Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we, you know, this game was almost a, a carbon copy of the game at their place. We got off to a terrible start. In fact, This one was even worse Uh, at their place. We were down 27, 20 at halftime. And so, um, you know, off to a slow offensive start, but luckily we did enough defensively just to to keep the number that we were down manageable. We focused on what the number was, what the difference was. It didn't matter. It was 16 to 26 or if it was 46 to 56, it was still a 10 point spread. So uh, how do we get back from that? And that's what we started doing. But uh, yeah, we had some really good battles with them. We beat them twice during the regular season and so this was, you know, it's hard to beat a team three times, let alone a good team, and uh, uh, for, what, for what this game was worth. And so, yeah, so we just we hung in there. We came out strong in the second half. We got it to cut it to five in, in, in no time, and then we took the lead within five minutes of the first half, so uh, of the second half. So that's when we settled down, started playing. It was nip and tuck. I thought we had a great opportunity to win it at the end of regulation. They made a couple big-time, big-time shots. They got some great players. Bob Ritchie's a really good coach, but, the, but these were some individual play players making plays. I don't think it was in the, in the playbook. And so uh, hats off to them. But, yeah, so it ended up going to overtime. Uh, we both were very efficient in the overtime period, and it just was we had the ball last, and we were able to make something happen. So incredible game, incredible matchup with them. We had some really good battles with them, but, uh, but we, we've got a really good, solid team.
1: No doubt, and you're right. I mean, it's hard to beat a th- team three times, and it, and it you proved, that point was proven with the overtime uh, victory against Furman. What did you say to your team at halftime? I mean, you got down as you mentioned by as much as 12 points early on in the second half.
4: Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, we tried to focus on. It was an abysmal offensive performance for us, and luckily, it was for them too. And there's a lot riding on the game. Some guys were tight, uh, quite frankly. I think we had some good shots. They had some good shots. But, but it was a combination. We played enough good defense and, and they missed a couple of things that the spread was 10. We were down 10 at halftime. And we've been down 10 at halftime before. And, and it's just that's a manageable number, right? If it's 20, it's tough. It's tough. Uh, but it's a manageable number. So I, I just encourage the guys to, to uh, you know, get out of feeling bad because we only have 16, right? If we had 46 and we're down 10, Everyone would feel good because uh, you'd have two threes. I'd have two threes, maybe a couple dunks. We'd still be down 10 guys. So what do we need to do to get ourselves back into the game? And that was our thing. Just getting back to what we do and playing guys, just, just play, have fun. It wasn't, we didn't draw plays at halftime. We didn't talk about, I wasn't, it just was, let's go play. Like we know, we know how to play and guys did. We came out in the second half, made a couple stops and a couple buckets. And then that changed everything.
1: Lamont Paris in his fifth season as the head coach at Chattanooga out of the SoCon joins us here on Box to Row. Coach Paris, how much pressure did you all as a team perhaps feel coming into the SoCon uh, tournament as the number one seed and, of course, champions of the SoCon?
4: Yeah, I think think one, when you play at this level, you're going to feel some pressure, period. So I think Furman uh, and our team felt some pressure. There's only one team, guys, in this league that's ever gone to the NCAA tournament. And so uh, uh, there's some pressure in that. Uh, to begin with. And then when you're the number one seed, you know, we were preseason. You think about what these guys did. They were preseason picked to win the conference. Okay, so then through 18 games, ups and downs, one guy's hurt. This guy's got a concussion. Another guy's got COVID. We played poorly on this day. This guy had a bad exam grade and doesn't feel great. This guy's girlfriend broke up with him. Through 18 games, uh, uh, with the pressure of being preseason number one, they, they, they came through as the number one team when it's all said and done and won by two games in the regular season. So then you go into the conference tournament with all that uh, uh, on you. And so just to perform, uh, they say it's hard. Like we said, it's hard to beat a team three times. We had to do that three times. Uh, and each of those games that we won was the third time we had beaten each of those teams. So um, a lot stacked up against these guys, a lot. You talk about it, but we've got an older, mature group. They've managed those expectations incredibly well, incredibly well. And, uh, you know, rather than feeling like it was pressure, they felt like it was opportunity, I think. And, and that helped them, uh, uh, you know, be consistent in what they were doing and be able to win, win uh, the regular season, the, the, the conference tournament. They just don't hand those things out. It's a very difficult thing to do. It's a huge accomplishment for our guys, and 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 I'm glad to get on here and talk about them to that end.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you know, you look at Silvio D'Souza. I mean, he was very consistent for you A double-double, 17 points, 14 rebounds. In the game, he was 7 of 10 from the field, can you speak specifically to his play in the the win over Furman?
4: Yeah, uh, sure. And, and and before I do that, I always like to talk about him as a human being. He's a, he's an incredible. My life is made better on a daily basis when I say hello to him, and and, and he makes me smile. But uh, anyway, but, but yeah, as a player, he's a dominant force physically. He's just he's one of the most powerful guys that I've ever coached or coached against in my entire career. And, and, and that's a lot of good guys and a lot of strong, physical, powerful guys. But, yeah, he's, he's just – when he's active uh, like he was in this game, he affects the game in so many ways, whether it's a block shot, a rebound in a crowd, an alley-oop dunk, running the floor, uh, 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 whatever it is. Uh, he, he can make be- post moves around the basket, too. But just when he's active like he was in this game, it 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 impacts the game in such a such a dramatic fashion, and so it was huge for him. Our our, our go ahead bucket. I mean, we were up one actually, but to go from one to three at the end of the game came on a tip in by Silvio, and it just it was just some extra effort. He's just a he's a force of nature out there, particularly when he's being really active.
1: Lamont Paris, in his fifth season as the head coach of Chattanooga, joins us here on the program. I mean, you look at uh silvio right then you look at we talked about david gene baptiste the guy that has been getting it all your players have been getting it done but but the guy that's leading you i put it like that in scoring malachi smith at 20.1 points per game Mm -hmm. throughout the course of the season this kid is just a sophomore for you
4: he is he is it's uh, it's hard to keep that in your mind and uh you know every now and then you forget all these guys are young and he'll say something or do something and you'll say that's right. He's just a sophomore, but uh, <laughs> but he doesn't play like that. That's for sure. Um, he's got. He just has a knack for making the right play. We we've asked him to do a lot. We moved him to the point guard position. He's got really good size. He's normally played off the ball. We moved him to the point guard position and asked him to make more decisions and asked him to get more guys involved. And uh, and he's done a tremendous job of that, uh, as well as scoring. You know, the funny thing is that normally when a guy scores twenty a game for a whole season it's it's hard to do for a whole season there'll probably only be 10 11 guys that do that all year but for a whole season oftentimes it's it turns into that they were a high volume guy and that's how they ended up continuing to score 20 he did it as an efficiency guy and that's really 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 hard to do he leads us in in assists uh he's up there in uh rebounds too probably second maybe on the team in rebounds and, and, and most of all, great kids. So what he does, it's a, it's a hard job to do. And have to do that every single game and count on it. And if you play poorly, we're going to lose. A lot of pressure. And so for him to to, to to rise to that occasion on a consistent basis, 34 games into it, is extremely impressive.
1: A couple more thoughts with Lamont Paris in his fifth season as the head men's basketball coach at Chattanooga. And, and as I mentioned early on, Coach Paris, you look at – you're five years in you've progressed and gotten better especially from a record standpoint each and every year that first year was Mm -hmm. tough though 10 and 23 so can you speak to that that first year and then how you've been able to progress each and every year to finally in this fifth year 27 and 7 currently socon regular season and tournament champions
4: yeah, it's been a process. And I've been fortunate in my career. I haven't done a lot of losing, uh, to say the least. I've just been very lucky, good, call it whatever you want. But uh, yeah, so that was that was there was a lot of humility involved in that. But at the same time, I recognized that's where we were and who we were. So uh, rather than try to quick fix it in a way that was that was maybe unreliable, we started building. I wanted to build, and I wanted to build, and and how we were going to do things every day, and how we were going to practice, and how we were going to uh, be as students, how we were going to communicate, uh, how we were going to respond to coaching, how we were going to respond to adversity and successes, the, how we were going to be with uh, with our parents and thanking them for the opportunities that we've had in life, like. It started with all of that. It started with all of that. And then we finally, ultimately, one day progressed to basketball. I didn't do one basketball thing with this team when I got here for at least a month. And, and uh, we, we, we impacted so many other things that the, the final uh, byproduct ended up being championship-level basketball. And uh, uh, that's just my plan. It's my strategy I've seen it, lived it, been around it so many times. I've, I've sat on the sidelines in probably 25, 26 NCAA tournament games. And so you see what makes guys tick. How do you get there? What's conducive to winning? What's not conducive to winning? And you take all that in and you see that, and I just transfer my experiences onto these guys, and they've accepted that and allowed me to coach them. But, yeah, so we built up. We got some really good players, some great kids. Uh, uh that have developed and and here we are and we're winners and and last year you know was a we started off 9-0 and last year and we got one vote in the top 25 and so COVID didn't hit us so it was about to happen last year uh but we had to wait a year for it and so it, it made the wait all that more special
1: last thought uh, coach Paris we appreciate the time I mean a lot of conference tournament championships are going to be decided uh, this weekend, you've got, you know, you 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 guys were early on with the SoCon, so you have maybe mm-hmm. a little bit more time for preparation. I and mean, I look at the RPI, you guys are 35 uh, right now, so maybe you know you you should expect to receive a decent at least seating. Can you take us through the how you're preparing now for next week's NCAA tournament?
4: Yeah, I love the fact that ours is early. Guys get to enjoy a little bit. And the other thing that we have the luxury of doing now is that we can practice and and practice us and practice timing on our stuff and practice and and, and troubleshoot some things, right? Um, I think if you finish on Saturday of next week and then you find out where you play on Sunday, your first practice is going to be dedicated only to who you're preparing for. And so we get a little bit of time to practice for ourselves. We're taking a couple days off here, get rested up, uh, uh and guys are spending some time doing that with our training staffs and whatnot and so we'll get back after it today get in there work on us for a couple of days and then yeah start to find it we'll enjoy the moment of finding where we're going to play and who we're going to play and then we'll get back at it we'll roll our sleeves up and start preparing specifically for somebody else but it's a great time uh for our guys an unbelievable experience and i couldn't be happier not for the fact that i'm coaching in the ncaa tournament but for the fact that i've been a part of providing this experience for these guys
1: Chattanooga has progressed in each of the 5 seasons that Lamont Paris has been the head coach there capping it off this year with the SoCon regular season and tournament championship a 27 and 7 record as Chattanooga will find out on Sunday where it will play in next week's NCAA tournament Lamont Paris the head coach of Chattanooga joins us here on Box to Row Coach Paris really appreciate the time continued success to you and Chattanooga
4: Awesome. Thanks, guys, for having me on the show. I really appreciate it, and go Mocs, baby. Coach Paris, the
1: pleasure was absolutely all ours. Fayetteville State head men's basketball coach, Luke D'Alessio, is up next.
2: The old renaissance is the new renaissance, standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip, beer, the neighborhood original.
1: Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. For more information, log on to their website at harlembeernc.com.
4: Now,
0: back to From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. Donald Ware. Donald Donald Ware. Let's continue
1: here on Box to Row on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. We're joined by a gentleman in his third overall season as the head men's basketball coach at Fayetteville State. The Broncos ultimately winning the CIAA Tournament Championship and a little bit later on today, uh, gonna face in the NCAA regional Indiana of Pennsylvania. Luke delessio the head coach at Fayetteville State, joins us here on Box Row on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. Coach delessio welcome to the program.
3: Well, thank you, Donald. Appreciate you being on the program.
1: Absolutely. You know, I can't believe this. We've been doing this since '05, and I don't. You know, you had some great teams back in the day at Bowie State, which we can talk more about that. And I don't. I don't rec- I, I guess we've never had you on the program, so it's good uh to have you. I gotta start here. Uh it's your second CI tournament championship for you as a coach in the CIAA. Talk about that sixty five to sixty two victory over Virginia Union last Saturday in Baltimore.
3: It was a you know a great, great game. Virginia Union's got so much tradition. If you're gonna beat anybody you know, I think they won, like, 17 CIAA championships. They're well-coached. That system's been in place since Coach Robbins. They got extremely good players. Uh, one of my former assistants, uh, Fred Burroughs, was also uh, the assistant at uh, Virginia Union right now. So there's a lot of connection there. And, and, you know, if you want to win the tournament, nothing is easy in a tournament because all the teams got quality coaches, quality players, but Union's got that mystique about them. And for us to play them in the championship game and beat them, we had to be mentally tough and physically tough. And uh, it was a great game, a great game to, for people to enjoy. And I thought the crowd was outstanding out there. You know, there was a great crowd. in Baltimore, being for the first time ever in Baltimore, you know, the city showed us a lot of love and support, which was great for us.
1: Yeah, I had a chance to see your team uh, play against Shaw uh, as a matter of fact, earlier on in the season got a really, really uh, a good team uh, so for you where where are you where do you guys sit right now now we'll talk more about Indiana of Pennsylvania, and what they bring to the table twenty one and eight on the season. Your thoughts on the season to this point
3: well, it's been you know a really difficult season for like a lot of people all the issues that we have gone through uh, you know this year uh, with uh, personnel, people getting hurt, uh, a lot of people lost loved ones. You know, the COVID stuff, I missed three games. Uh, we had a, you know, cause of a bomb threat. We had to cancel. We had to sw- switch our senior night to Methodist College. But the thing is, these guys always have that goal to try to win a CIAA championship. We were close two years ago, and the seniors on the team, Jalen Seegers and Darren Dixon, you know, and I told them, look, you guys are getting a second chance to do this. Not too many people get a second chance to try to win a CIAA championship, and their focus the whole year, the last two years, was trying to win a championship because it was so close last time, and that's what you know kept the team motivated. And uh, we went hit, we went through some tough times. We lost our starting point guard, but we persevered and it got better and better as the season went along. And we were ready for tournament. And we I thought we played really well in tournament.
1: Luke Delessio, in his third overall season, second on the court as the head men's basketball coach at Fayetteville State, joins us here on Box to Row. Let me take you back to February the 12th at Winston-Salem State. And you mentioned a couple of years ago, is your first year coaching at Fayetteville State playing in the CIAA tournament championship game against the Rams. Again, February 12th, you lose that game at Winston-Salem State. Tough loss, last second shot by Winston-Salem State. Gets you, and I know that had to stick with you, especially going back to the championship game uh, in the tournament two years ago. What did you tell your team, after that game, you guys have won five straight games, including the CIAA Tournament Championship.
3: My goal, too, was, uh, you know, to try – that's a tough place to play at. I mean, that's like – it was hot in there. It was so hot in that gym that, you know, I took off my jacket. My, I took off my tie. I rolled up my sleeves. I took my shirt. It was like we gave everything to that game. And to lose, like in a loose ball, and the guy just turns, Hicklin just turns and makes the shot. and We're up by one. We gave everything. That we had in that game. I said, I'm proud of the effort. I didn't like the outcome, but we competed. We could easily fold it. That was because uh, we're down like six points with like about four minutes left. So, you know, I, 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 and I really thought that, you know, it's going to take a really great effort on somebody else's part to beat us because we only lost three conference games and they're all close. Lost that game at the Buzzer, game to Johnson C. Smith, and an overtime game to Livingstone. So we had, we've been playing well in the conference. Now, the other thing is, I was also conscious at that point for that game honestly to make sure we get a number one seed in the tournament and even if we lost that game we just had to win the last two games uh and the tiebreaker was we beat them by 12 points i just couldn't lose the game by 11 so i was back on my mind too you know trying to because you want the number one seed in the tournament and uh and we did end up winning the next two games and we got the number one seed and uh, you know I'm proud of this team all year long because early in the season we were, we're getting uh we're going through some growing pains where we didn't compete. Like, we played Union at their place. They, they, they really, you know, took it to us. We played Ben Brooks. They beat us pretty good in the second half. So, we, you know, we had to go through a transition period, and I thought we did pretty well throughout the season, and we got better and better.
1: Boy, so. you, you mentioned Jalen Seegers early on. That guy can really – I mean, I was super impressed with him. Uh, he can really, really play. You know, speak to his play uh, overall uh, this season and helping to lead this Broncos team.
3: You know, the thing is with him, you know, I always thought, you know, in my opinion, he's the best all-around player in the conference. And he's a humble kid that he'll do anything that I ask him to do. And what separates him a little bit is he'll also rebound, block shots, and play defense. And he can score 20 points a game, you know, especially like Darren Dixon was hurt, you know, for part of the season. He was getting like 20, 25 points a game. But then when Darren came back, you know, he got, he got less shots, so his, his average went down. And he's willing to do anything to help us win and win that championship, and that trickled down to the whole team because of the way he approached the game and it, and, that, and the way he did things, and that had a really great contagious effect on the rest of the team. That the only thing he cares about is winning and getting back and trying to win that CIAA championship. That's all he talked about. He didn't care about individual stats. He's up for the you know HBCU All Star Game that's you know uh, in, at the Final Four. Great, I'm really him because he was him and Darren Dixon were the best, were the most important recruits. I got my first year because I thought those two kids would be the ones that, you know, would take us to the next level and, and they both did
1: Luke Delessio, the head men's basketball coach at Fayetteville state joins us here on the program. How have you coach Delessio grown as a coach uh, 10 years at Bowie state? You won to see tournament championship. You made a final four. Uh, appearance, But there was, a, you know, obviously a big gap where you were an assistant, at North Carolina Central, some other places before you became the head uh, coach at Fayetteville State. So how has, have you grown uh, as a head coach and then more specifically now in your third season at FSU?
3: I mean, honestly, you know, I was pretty young when I first coached at Bowie State. We made that final four my fourth year. So, you know, I, I actually got better as a coach. You know, I'm, I'm just, uh, you know, more detail oriented. Uh, and, um, uh, I, I, cause worked I worked some really good coaches, Jimmy Patzos. I worked with, you know, Leval Moten. I coached in island for a year. So I picked up some things that I, I didn't do in the past with my teams. Cause I never really had a mentor in terms of helping me coach. I did things on my own. So I got to be, you know, a better coach over the, over time. And then, uh, you know, and, and then, um, uh, I can't ask for anything better because Fayetteville State is a great place to work for. Anthony Bennett and uh, Chancellor Allison are great, great people, and they will do anything to put us coaches in a position to win and give us the resources to back it up. And then Fayetteville State, they were really hungry to win the CIAA championship. It has been done since 1973, and I got that picture in my office. So actually, they on me every single day. That was our main focus for two years. And a lot of people that first year didn't think we were – you know, when we're talking about that, you really think it wasn't possible that first year, but we came really close. So, you know, I love the school.
1: No question about it. Last thought, your thoughts on Indiana, Pennsylvania, and some of the challenges that team may present.
3: <laughs> Our guys just play, practice in the gym. You know, they practice in that gym. It's like a Division One facility. It's like a big, huge arena. They have, you know, full-time assistant coaches. They have big-time recruiting budget. They run their program like Division One program, and they have great, tremendous fan base, and the money behind their program. And they have a coach Joe that I've known for a while, and he's really, really good. So it's a tough challenge, especially when you're playing a game, you know, at their home court with their home fans, which I think they expect like three, four thousand people at the games, all rooting for them. Um, And, uh, you know, the thing I liked about them is they're a really good defensive team and they run some really good sets. So it will be a really, really tough challenge for us. But hopefully everything that we went through the year and the CIAA regular season, the tournament got us prepared uh, for this game. But the biggest thing that I've been harping for the last two weeks is because the CIAA tournament is so big that a lot of people think that's your end of your season. So I've been trying to get our guys really focused and knowing how hard this game is going to be against the number three-ranked team in the country. And they've had a lot of success over the last 20 years.
1: Luke D'Alessio in his third season as the head men's basketball coach at Fayetteville State joins us here on the program. The Broncos are going to take on Indiana, of Pennsylvania, first round of the NCAA Division II Regional. Coach D'Alessio, great to catch up with you. Good luck to you and the Broncos.
3: Well, thank you. We're going to need it, but we'll give it our best effort that we can give. Got to roll. Thank you to Luke D'Alessio, Fred Watson,
1: for joining us on today's program. For more information on Box to Row, log on to our website, com. And always remember to support those that support your Box to Row on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM is produced by DW Communications.